It just makes too much damn sense to start off this new partnership with this brand new IP that has a lot of eyes on with it. With an exclusive. With an exclusive. It makes too much sense. I've been hard like beating on the table for this since last year that this was going to be Xbox PC only. I, I came across a couple people that disagreed with me saying, oh, no, I think it could go to PlayStation, whatever, blah, blah. I was hard set on this. Uh, it, just, it makes too much sense from a business standpoint. What's going on? Welcome into Lighthearted Episode 40. Hopefully you're having a great day, whatever day you're listening to this podcast. My name is Alex Light of Sparky3, the host of this show. If you're listening to the audio version, hey, we're back again, you know, two weeks in a row. I told you we were back. I wasn't lying. Okay. And also, if you're only if you're only listening to the audio, just a friendly reminder, we're on YouTube now. Uh, this episode it will be up on our YouTube channel, Sparky3. Just did a little uh, YouTube intro for the YouTube viewers. Uh, hey, YouTube viewers, what's up? Uh, just kind of breaking down the show, what to expect from us. So, you know, the audio listeners that maybe rock with us every single week don't have to, you know, basically hear everything that they already kind of know to expect from this show. Um, but yeah, hopefully everyone's having a great day. Alongside me, my co-host is Zach. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. What's going on, everybody? We're on video again now. Second time, we got two up. That's right, that's right. Two shows now, video format over at our channel. The channel has more or less been kind of been off and on dead. <laughs> <for> like, <laughs> it has point, it has spurts, you know, where we got some DBA content coming or whatever. And But yeah, you know, now it's going to have regular content with the podcast. We're really pumped up for that. Uh, really pumped up for this show, man. We got a lot of stuff to talk about today. You know, E3 is not far away from us, man. So I no, mean, no, it is not. I'm waiting for all that juicy news. For, well, hopefully, juicy news. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I gotta say, I, I really do think this is going to be a banger of an E3. You know, since we didn't have one last year, yep. there were there were so many delays that happened last year across the gaming industry. I mean, t- I think this is going to be an incredible E3, and we just have so much news that's going to be coming out over here in the next few weeks. Some more stuff today that we're going to be talking about is uh, going to be talking about some news that seemed to be confirmed today uh, involving a new IP coming out that's possibly coming out this year. We'll see an IP that not a lot of people know about, mm-hmm. but um, this news involves potentially where you can play the IP. More on that later. Uh, we also have some news involving Ubisoft. They recently had an investors call meeting and they talked about their new plan going forward, which is very interesting. Kind of really, really changing up what their nor- from what their normal strategy is. Going to be breaking that down, uh, and then we're also going to be giving you. Uh, I'll be giving you my first thoughts on the Mass Effect. Got a display back there for Mass Effect. Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Giving you my first thoughts on that. I have completed the first game about four hours into the second one right now. And uh, Zach's also going to be breaking down uh, a newer game called Hood, which I think is going to be really cool to talk about because, like I said in the the YouTube intro that the audio listeners did not get to hear, Zach is, you know, he's got a very you know, he's got a larger library than me. He's willing to really try some games that maybe I don't necessarily want to go out and try. So he's going to be able to really give us more opinions on stuff like that. Cause I mean, I probably wouldn't play hood if it wasn't for him, you know, talking about it and, you know, giving, you know, trying to you know potentially sell me on it. Like he's going to try to sell you guys on it. So looking forward to hearing his thoughts on hood here in a little bit. Um, with that said, let me hop into the plugs real quick. Uh, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Sparky three. We'd greatly appreciate that. Give a thumbs up on this video or thumbs down, whatever. Our life goes on, and so does yours. Um, 
lighthearted will be Tuesdays, 8 a.m. Central Standard Time for the, for, you know, for this comeback that we're doing right now. Uh, could potentially change, but as of not now, that is going to be our posting schedule. Uh, we have the Pokemon 25th and Zelda 35th anniversary specials coming out here uh, in, in June for Pokemon. And I think Zelda is going to go ahead and be July. So back-to-back months of some extra specials there. Really excited for that. And make sure to go check out our other podcast, Anime and Plus, if you're interested in anime manga type content. We do, uh, we have like nine different animes that we're currently watching and reviewing. Like almost like 30 different series that we're reading. I mean, that we're giving chapter reviews for. Yeah, we keep adding every week. We, yeah, we do. We may have to find a line at some point. <laughs> yeah, we might. We might cuz it's getting it's getting pretty it's getting pretty rough right now cuz I think like out of Shonen Jump, I think there's 21 series in Shonen Jump and as a collective of 3 of us we're reading 16 of them. Yeah. And then some other stuff in Weekly Shonen Magazine, some Webtoons, some Jump Plus. We're all over the place. Uh, But make sure also to go follow us at Lighthearted Pod. Greatly appreciate that. Uh, If you want to follow any Animan Plus stuff, you can go follow us at Animan Podcast. Uh, And also, if you want to support us further, we would greatly appreciate that. Patreon.com forward slash Sparky3 is the way to do so. If you got some extra extra dollars under your couch cushion you want to throw our way, help pay for stuff that we do here, we'd greatly appreciate that. But you know what? If you can't, no big deal. We appreciate you for just listening to the show. Be a friend. Tell a friend about the show. And that's enough for us. That's just if you're really feeling generous, which I don't know why you would be. But if you are, you're awesome. Thanks. All right. So let's jump into the uh, let's jump into the gaming news, man. We got a pretty decent little slate up. Um, the first thing I want to touch on, because it's a, it's a follow-up from last episode, actually, is uh, last episode we were talking about uh, there potentially being a new PlayStation 5 uh, version coming out next year. And I did stress to everyone, I will stress again, don't feel like you have to wait. If you have an opportunity to pick one up at retail price, don't don't buy into the scalpers. Go ahead and get one. Uh, all this new version is simply going to be is it's going to do all the exact same stuff that the normal one does right now. They're just changing out components based on demand. And with that said, uh, PlayStation is set to have shortages going all the way into 2022. That's that's rough. Oh, that's excessively rough. Like, when was the last time you remember a console shortage? Nintendo Switch last year. That, but but before that, God, I don't know, man. Besides the you know Nintendo Switch was obviously because of COVID related. Yes. Everyone was stuck at home. So, you know, Animal Crossing came out. Everyone wanted to play that and have a great time. Besides the Switch last year, man, I don't know. Long time. I was about to say, but like, at least from the time that I've been messing with consoles, whatnot, the only time I can think of an actual shortage is the Nintendo Switch. Yep. Any other ones I can think of it right now were all limited runs. Yep. Which so the fact that the PlayStation Five is still having shortages, which it's been out almost... Like, what, six months? Yeah, about half a year now. Yep. And they're planning for it to go through to 2022. I mean, great for Sony and your sale of the console. Yep. You're absolutely destroying. Yep. But that's rough for everybody else. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm sitting here racking my brain, and maybe you can, you know, obviously, it seems like you're going to be on the same page as me. I'm trying to think back to the last generation release. I don't think it was this bad oh, trying no, to get it, the Xbox One or the PS4. It wasn't. Like the in my, like, if I remember right, the last time that we had like what felt like a console shortage besides the Switch last year in 2020 was the Wii release back in 07. I know I was a kid; we were both kids, but I do happen to remember how it was kind of tough to find a Wii or see a Wii on a shelf. Uh, that's the only time that I can think of a of a console shortage. Uh, but yeah. yeah, now that I think about it, yeah, I do slightly remember that just only seeing the Wii spot when I was a kid and going around Walmart or Best Buy or whatever, and it was just always empty. Yeah, 
So I don't know. Hope, hopefully that can get sorted out at some point. You know, they, they're probably their hand is probably going to be forced, and they're going to have to go ahead and switch out the inner components like they're talking about, so that way they can, you know, get it on the shelf for 2022 fall yeah. season. Holiday season 2022 might actually be the accurate window when we're going to be able to walk into a Walmart or a Best Buy and see a console on a shelf. That's just wild to me. Two years after release is, you know, exactly two years. Like I said, fall 2022 might be where it's, it'll be normal to walk into a store and see something on a shelf. That's just wild to me. I, I mean, I don't think it's wild because the wild thing of your statement is the fact of walking into a store. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally fair. Fair point. Fair. You know, well played. Um, next bit of news I've got that I want to give a little shout out to is apparently Target. And I'll uh, update this. I saw Walmart as well. They're no longer going to be selling Pokemon TCG cards or, you know, uh, you know, sports cards as well. Uh, they're not going to be selling them in stores at this time uh, just because of the incredible scalping issues. There's been people that's gotten in fights over this. I mean, Josh, our, our co-host over at Animan Plus, he told me that he went to a uh, Walmart near him and they happen to have some Pokemon cards. And there were, there were, he, Josh said he literally saw a couple people fight over trying to get this booster box and, and elite, tra- and elite trainer box, elite trainer box is what they were trying to get. Yeah. They were, they were like, they were about to, they were about to fucking throw down there in Walmart, man. So Target and Walmart both have discontinued the sales on those. So if you're a big TCG guy, you know, sucks to suck, but unless you like Yu-Gi-Oh, I guess. Yu-Gi-Oh yeah, or, or Magic. Yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh or Magic you're still good on, so you can go hit those up. But Pokemon, eh, not so much. Good luck trying to find those online. Um, so uh, we had a game announcement, uh, a game that I thought about checking out. I never did. Um, I'm curious if you did, but uh, Ghost Runner 2 was announced. Did you ever check out Ghost Runner? I never actually touched on Ghost Runner, but it actually looked very good in the bit of uh, streamers and some other people I watched play it. It was seemed very fun, flowed pretty. The flow is what interests me. Yeah, the flow was what really good and yeah, because it's like so like heavy like parkour, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So kind of interested to see more about Ghost Runner two. It actually kind of it it actually kind of prompts me to want to check out Ghost Runner one because I know Ghost Runner the first one like I don't even think that was like a, a full blown title it wasn't because they got released at like what forty bucks thirty yeah. bucks yeah I mean it was a cheap price yeah no it was a fairly cheap one and was I didn't it was an indie studio I'm pretty sure it was an indie yeah and everything and it came out it just it just came out I remember seeing it coming out like a couple of weeks I was like oh that seems interesting never touched on it but yeah no there wasn't any as at least from what I remember there was no big trailers or anything it was just community hype gotcha well hey shout out to the fact that the community you know got enough hype to prompt a second one shout out to that uh we do have abandoned gameplay coming in june this is a a ps5 exclusive title i didn't even know this was a game i didn't know this was announced at any point i came across the news that it was gameplay was on the way in june obviously for you know like a state of play around e3 and i was kind of interested about that so i I got a confession about abandoned okay so I knew what Abandoned was, and I saw a trailer for it on YouTube, and for whatever reason, in my brain, I went, Abandoned? Huh, that seems like an interesting movie, and I'm watching it, and I'm expecting a movie trailer the entire right. time, <laughs> and like, it goes through, I was like, this seems like a really weird movie, I don't know how the, and then finally I look at the channel, and it's like, PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Sony channel, is like, I'm a fucking dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Hey, mistakes happen. I, I'm, thank you for that confession. That's funny. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see the gameplay for it, see if it might be worth picking up, because, you know, pretty much anything new PlayStation 5 related, I, I'm very interested in automatically, you know, just wanting to get those PS5 exclusives. Because right now, we're still in a state where it's pretty much, it's going to be PS4 and PlayStation 5. There's not 
like yeah. besides like besides Returnal, uh, Demon Souls, and Astro's Playroom, I think those are like really the only major PS5 only titles to have released so far. Um, you, you know, know that is sort of surprising with all this release of Series X and yep. PlayStation Five of just how little came out with the releases because yep. it was only like one or two, three games across both titles mm-hmm. that released with their systems. And I yep. mean, I don't know about PlayStation because I haven't been watching it as much, but I know Xbox pretty much all their notable titles they have the upgrade thing of where if you yep. buy it on this, you can get it on Series X and whatnot. So it's been sort of interesting to seeing the lack of release titles and just them having to backlog stuff onto it so people have stuff to play. Yeah, especially Xbox. Yeah. You know, losing Halo at launch was a... Yeah. That was a shot. So Halo's launch lineup was not the strongest. Uh, I mean, Xbox's launch lineup was not the strongest. No. Um, so I, I know uh, John was talking about this on episode 39. Uh, Dragon Quest is something that he was really interested in, possibly getting a Dragon Quest 12. Uh, the Dragon Quest 35th stream is actually set, and it's actually the first international stream ever. So everyone can check it out uh, in all you know in whatever language. Um, it, that's set for May 26th. That's currently up on their channel over at YouTube, so you can go set yourself a reminder for that. But obviously, uh, going to probably get the Dragon Quest Twelve news. Uh, it may be a couple years out, but at least get like the initial announcement that hey, it's going to be in the works. That's probably what's going to come out of this. Um, the only disappointment is if it was a Dragon Quest Heroes Three. I mean, not a bad game series, but when everyone's really looking for an RPG. Well, I mean, hey, it might be. They might do both. You never know. I mean, it's a stream event, so who knows what all they're going to talk about. Zach's just shaking his head, but, you know, hey, you never know. But, you know, and then obviously, obviously, we're going to get Dragon Quest Builders, right? I mean, obviously, we're going to get the sequel completely. Well, it would be the third. Yeah, so. it would be the third. Yeah, exactly. We'll get that for sure. Have no fear, Dragon Quest Builders fans. Um, so EA did recently come out and confirm that Battlefield 6 uh, is going to be on last generation consoles as well, which is kind of a backtrack because originally when uh, the guy that's like over, like handling Battlefield, you know, when they were talking about it, uh, they said they were really ready to deliver the next gen experience for Battlefield, which automatically just prompted everyone to assume it's only going to be on the next gen. But now it is confirmed for uh, last generation as well. Uh, but and it's still actually on track for holiday 2021. So keep an eye out for Battlefield uh, next month around E3 time. You'll probably get some more information on that there. Uh, we did get a trailer for New World. If you do not know what New World is, it is a MMO uh, by Amazon. Amazon already had one game come out called Crucible. Zach actually happened to play it. Yep. It was good mechanics, terrible map design. Yeah, and uh, I know it got, like, when you played it, it was in beta, right? Or is it released? Uh, it was technically open beta, and then they released it. And then like they brought it week. back into beta. They released it for a week, and then they crunched it back into closed beta, and then they killed it. Yep, completely slashed it. And since, uh, you know, the new uh, Amazon CEO has taken over not too long ago, uh, he did actually comment on Am- on Amazon Game Studios, but he didn't really say a whole lot, which is fair. You know, he literally just got into the position and people are asking him about it, so he's not going to sit there and make his first executive order in his first press conference, oh, I'm killing the Amazon Game Studios. So when it comes to this new world coming out, 
I gotta say, if if it doesn't deliver, Amazon Game Studios is probably dead. It's probably dead from these big from trying to work big titles. Uh, the tra- I did watch the trailer; it looked okay. You know, I'm just not a big MMO fi- guy. That's my thing. Is that I've just I have I've tried multiple and I haven't really gotten into them. You know, basically, just think of an ESO is basically what you're going to be getting out of this. Uh, it did look cool. Uh, I will say, in terms of MMOs, the only one that actually I've watched anything for and actually it really captured my interest is Ashes of Creation. Uh, we've talked about that here on the yeah. show before. Uh, Jared, a former patron of ours, um, he uh, that was one of his topic requests for me and Nick was to give our thoughts on Ashes of Creation. Re- looks phenomenal uh, that's still actually i think the beta is still slated here for the next couple months i was about to say when's that supposed to come out uh the official release for ashes i'm not sure but i think i, I follow them on twitter and stuff and the uh the beta i think like the open beta may come out here in the next few months and talking about beta with new world as well if you pre-order you do get access to the closed beta on july 20th uh, the game is set to release august 31st it's Dang. yeah it's not far um I'm going to go ahead and make a prediction. I'm just going to, sh- you know, I, I don't have a lot of f- facts to make this prediction. It's just a gut feeling. This is going to bomb. This is going to bomb. I have no reason to say that other than a gut feeling. It's just a gut feeling that this is going to tank. I mean, it could if they take, I mean, they had their whole experience with the Crucible and doing a um, arena shooter is the best thing I could describe it. Um, so they may take some of that experience and change it up. I haven't actually looked into Perfect World to really get a feel for it or anything, so I'm hoping it does better than Crucible. Because, again, I mean, the actual feel of the characters and whatnot in their first game, Crucible, was actually very nice. It was just very poor map design, and unfortunately the thing with most games like that that come out that have a competitive, the balancing was really bad. Right. Well, we'll see if they do anything better out of New World. You know, MMO, that's going to be... It, it. It's just kind of tough to me that you have the game that you have with Crucible, it bombs, and then your next big title is a massive MMO that you're putting a ton of money into. I don't know, it could work out, but like I said, I have no reason to say it's not going to work. It's just a gut feeling saying it's not going to work. Um, one thing that I, that, that I will say is going to work that I'm really excited for, and I know Zach's going to be excited for as well, is Microsoft is using the Forza engine to develop the new Fable. I'm pumped for that news. That's that's really dope, man. That's going to be a beautiful game. You know, the little cinematic kind of like trailer that we yeah. saw, whatever, it, that looked great. But knowing that they're going to be using the Forza engine uh, to make this game, yo, that, that thing's going to run smooth. It's going to look great. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you is. It's just because the Forza games always look fantastic. Anyone yeah, they that's do. played a Forza game knows this, just how much detail has gone into each vehicle and everything. It's just... The fact that it's Fable that they're using it on, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I just hope that just hidden in the woods is just small little cars here and there. (laughs) Small. (laughs) Or just the horse is just a nice little glitch of a special horse that just... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that'd that'd be a nice Easter egg. That'd be a nice Easter egg. I'd be about it. Uh, so we ha- we do have some reports that I do want to touch on here. I don't want to make a big deal out about it. Ah, well, correction. I do want to make it into a big deal because it does excite me. But I'm not going to make it into a big deal. There are a lot of reports going around right now, and a lot of people have jumped onto this report saying, oh, yeah, I've, I've heard from you know this source, this source, et cetera, that, yeah, Nintendo is doing this. But apparently the uh, the same developers that made Super Mario Odyssey, you know, 
a fantastic game, fantastic Mario game, are now working on a new DK title. Uh, that is really exciting. DK is a game as a series that doesn't get a lot of love compared to other Nintendo franchises. It gets, it gets more than some others. You know, there are some obviously some notable Nintendo titles that don't get any love at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but DK gets some here and there. But um, there, you know, with the reports, some people are saying that it's set to be a 3D adventure. Some people are saying that no, it's not going to be 3D. It's going to be a 2.5D. Um, I hope it's going to be 3D. That would be great. I, I know not maybe. I know a lot of people hold it in high regard for like nostalgia reasons and stuff. But I'll be honest, my favorite Donkey Kong game is Donkey Kong 64. I thought it was super cool. I was hoping that was going to stay the direction of Donkey Kong. Obviously, it did not. Going into GameCube, you had Donkey Kong pretty much became music games yeah. with the with the jungle beats and the uh, was the Congo Bongo whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then it went back to like Donkey Kong Country style, whatever, going over to, I think, like the Wii and the Wii U, now the Switch. Uh, so I would love a 3D adventure. That would be awesome. I'm all about that. I mean, I like the 2D, uh, 2.5D, because those are just classics and everything. But, I mean, I feel like this would be a good time, personally, if they did attempt another 3D. This would be the time. If they did some another sort of action adventure of Donkey Kong 64, because, I mean... Donkey Kong 64 was a very fun game yep. uh, overall. And just the whole fact of the uh, just playing as the entire Kong family besides Cranky. Yep. And just... Got introduced to some, a couple new ones that you never yes. seen before. I love Lanky. Yeah, Lanky. <laughs> I love Lanky. And just all that fun stuff. And just calm down on the completionists this time if y'all are going in that direction. Fair. That was awful. Fair. Fair. That was that that game was a pain for that. Yeah, uh, I, I'm gonna hope for a 3D. If it's a 2.5D. It won't surprise me. Uh, but I, I've seen reports of both that it's gonna be 3D and two. But Zach does bring up a good point. Ooh, what if they did? <laughs> which I highly doubt they would. But it'd be funny. Um, did a tactics game like they did with Mario and Rabbit? <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> just throw just the whole Kong crew. Let's be honest. It's Nintendo. That would not surprise either of us. Let's be real. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't, but then I would have to always be worried if I'd get another singing ghost of some sort. That's fair. Yeah. No, that something like that would not surprise me. Some sort of weird gimmick type of game like that. It, it wouldn't shock me. That's just how Nintendo operates. Uh, but I'm going to hope for a 3D. I, I am. I think I would love for that. I would also love if we did a 3D. I would love to. I would love it to almost be like a spiritual successor to 64. Maybe get some of those characters back. Because like I said, I love Lanky. Chunky was cool. Yeah. You know, those out of the, out of those characters, I'm pretty sure those two never made another appearance. Tiny did make another appearance in a couple of things here and there. Like I know, like let's say Mario, the Mario baseball yeah. on the, on the Wii. I don't think chunky and, and, and lanky ever did. Lanky may have made an appearance in the, like the DK racing game on the GameCube. I think he I was, a, I so. think he was a playable character. Chunky. No. no, chunky's been dead. Chunky died. Yeah. I think the only time chunky's shown up again, I think was an animated series. Yeah, I, th- I think so. And I mean, Tiny was actually in before 64 because yep. she was in 3, Donkey Kong Country 3. That was Dixie. Was that Dixie? Yeah, that was Dixie. Whatever happened to Dixie, then? See, I, I, see, I don't know. And if you know, if we did like a spiritual successor, maybe brought those five back, could bring in Dixie as a playable character. F- my boy Funky as yeah. a playable character. Be, I, I'm all for a, a, a Donkey Kong 3D adventure. Like, like Super Mario. I'm all for it. Let's do it, man. 
Um, all right, so going on from there, this one actually is pretty exciting news. Uh, I know I know Zach's going to be a fan of this because last episode when we were talking about what to come out of E3, you know, his big thing was new IP, so that's what we're going to talk about here. Uh, PlayStation, uh, Herman Holst, uh, he is, you know, the Guerrilla Games managing director and co-founder, Guerrilla Games being the Horizon series. Uh, he, he was also recently, like sometime I think last year is what it was, if I remember right, named the new head of PlayStation Worldwide Studios, which that's how they're now branding all of their mm-hmm. uh, first party titles. He recently told Wired there are 25 first party titles in development right now for PlayStation 5, and he says nearly half of them are new IPs. That is really exciting. That is really exciting to see, hopefully, these new IPs, and I hope they're act- at least a handful of them are full-length games and not just yeah. sort of... Uh, half-assed stuff. Well, half-assed isn't a really good way to say it. But uh, I guess smaller titles would be the best way to say it. Fair. Like, hopefully at least a handful could be considered on AAA and then the rest AA and whatnot. So. Yeah. He also did confirm that Horizon is still confirmed for 2021, which is cool. That's one thing that uh, we were literally talking about last episode as well, is if we were going to get some sort of confirmation... On Horizon, if we're going to get the official confirmation on God of War, which, you know, some reports that I saw this week is that internally it is already set in stone that God of War is delayed and will not come out this year like we thought, but it just has not officially come out into the public. But it is internally already set in stone. Uh, But also internally it is set in stone. The Horizon is set to come out this fall. So I'm really pumped for that. Forbidden West is going to be really fun. And he also did mention that Ember Labs, who is uh, a small studio, their first title is going to be uh, Kenna Bridge of Spirits. Still have no idea what that game's about. You know, I really don't either, but I got it marked, and I got a countdown on my phone for it, and I want to play it. Let's go. It looks cool. It looks beautiful. It I looks mean, beautiful. It, it does look beautiful, but the only thing I can think of every time I see that is Tack and the Power of Juju. <laughs> That's <laughs> throwback there. That's a throwback. Uh, and also, just a, a little shout-out. I, you know, I don't know if you guys know this. Ember Labs also did a little YouTube uh, video production of a Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask thing, I think, called um, uh, Unfortunate Fate or something like that. But anyway, Ember Labs, their first game is Kenna. Um, you know, uh, Herman did confirm that they have started to work on their next title uh, with Kima, you know, Kenna coming to its wrap-up. It's set to come out, I think, early September or August. One of the two. Yes. So it's, it's right around the corner. So Ember Labs have started their next project. I'm excited to hear about their next project because Kenna, while we really don't know a whole lot about it, it does look beautiful. And this is a small team as well. So I'm really hoping Kenna's going to deliver and do really well to maybe help build the team up a little bit more, give them the funding from PlayStation to further, you know, kind of push, push what they're trying to do here. You know what people are really looking forward to, though? That's not a new IP, though. Diablo Immortal. Nope. Overwatch 2. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Overwatch two. We do have a uh, we do have a live stream set to reveal a, a uh, Overwatch two gameplay. It's a two hour gameplay reveal set for May twentieth. I'll be checking that out. Uh, that's going to be coming out pr- a few days after this podcast goes up. Uh, so I'm pretty pumped to actually kind of see what we have going on there. This comes from the new Overwatch director, mm-hmm. uh, Aaron something. I think was his name. Don't look at me. I don't know, but it's not Jeff Kaplan, so that's all. It's just thanks, Jeff. Appreciate you. <laughs> appreciate you for everything that you've done, except for May. I don't appreciate you for that. Fuck you for May. But thank you for everything else. Um. Also, there was the Diablo Immortal joke. Got that in. Almost forgot about it. Like I'm, I was gonna talk to you about it before we started recording. Where should I say that? And I'm just like. 
we, we you know you were going on a spill about something i'm like shit i don't know where i'm gonna say it at so had a nice little setup there missed playing the effect but that's okay i'll get it next time oh, thank god well in that case Fuck you. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's go over to some more major news here. I already kind of, you know, let's talk about some of the stuff that I teased earlier on, including uh, a new IP coming out and where you're going to possibly be able to play it at. So let's talk about Starfield. If you don't know what Starfield is, neither do we. <laughs> yeah, that about sums up. All most of the internet knows is it's a Bethesda title. Yep. It's going to be an RPG. Yep. And now it's been announced that it's going to be solely on Xbox and PC. So happy fun with that, everybody! <laughs> yeah, Jeff Grubb of uh, Venture Beat. He's a uh, you know pretty pretty notable gaming uh, news writer out there. I know like Jeff Grubb and Jason Schreier are two of the larger ones out there, in my opinion. Especially Jason Schreier. I mean, he writes for Bloomberg, for God's sake. Um, you know, they, he, J, Jeff Grubb recently confirmed that um, Starfield will be on Xbox and PC only. And uh, I know I know a lot of people are uppity mad about this and i don't understand why i really don't i mean i mean because it's not on their console I, of choice i know but it's just like it's just it's it's one of those things like how stupid can you be kind of thing and i'll go ahead and say it, i don't care you know because it's like hey you know they my xbox spent like 7.5 billion dollars on one of the biggest most world-renowned gaming publishers in history of course they're going to take their new IP and keep it themselves. It just makes sense. They don't have to share, you know. Uh, it's actually, uh, you know, I do want to give a shout out. I did actually, I was hard set calling this like late last year. Uh, I, I think this is, uh, I think I, me and you may have talked about it on 38 when you were on. I believe so. Uh, I know me and Nick talked about it on multiple episodes where I was hard set fighting for the fact saying that Starfield was going to be on Xbox PC only because here's my mindset. You know, obviously Bethesda, that, that alone is going to carry a title to some sort of financial mm -hmm. success and it's going to carry eyes to it because of Bethesda alone. Um, but I mean, the purchase is now officially done. Oh yeah. Officially owned by Xbox. This is a brand new IP. It just makes too much damn sense to start off this new partnership with this brand new IP that has a lot of eyes on with it. With an exclusive. With an exclusive. It makes too much sense. I've been hard like beating on the table for this since last year that this was going to be Xbox PC only. I, I came across a couple people that disagreed with me saying, oh, no, I think it could go to PlayStation, whatever, blah, blah. I was hard set on this. Uh, it, just, it makes too much sense from a business standpoint. Uh, and, and in terms of like you know their other, the other Bethesda titles, I still stand by also my statement that I do think Elder Scrolls and Fallout have the potential to go to other consoles. They're the only ones, though. I, in my mind, do not expect Doom, Wolfenstein. I'm drawing a blank on their other titles, but don't expect anything else on on other consoles other than Xbox and PC. That's my opinion. Uh, but Fallout and Elder Scrolls, I'm not going to say they're going to be on PlayStation, but I'm going to say there's a chance. I will also pitch that I could see there being a timed exclusive type of deal where it's on Xbox and PC for a year and then goes to PlayStation. We, we've seen that a lot yeah, in the business. Yeah, we've seen that quite a bit, especially last couple of years. So definitely could see that more likely than just straight exclusive, especially with those titles that have already been on uh, other cons like PlayStation and um, Nintendo's consoles now. So I could see that a lot more with those two being set exclusive versus just strictly exclusive. Yeah, because I know uh, <laughs> PlayStation does this. Play yeah. PlayStation loves doing this, man. And I think uh, the most recent one PlayStation has done, I could be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, if you happen to know, um, is the new Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy... 
isn't Final Fantasy 16, isn't that set to be exclusive for PlayStation for like a year before it comes to Xbox? Am I right or wrong on that? I believe you're correct on that. And I, I want to say the you know FF7 remake was the same way, right? Or am I also, I, I can't remember. Yes, and actually I don't know. I didn't dig in too far, but yeah. Okay. It did release on PlayStation uh, a bit of time before it came on Xbox. Yeah. So, so I do see that being a possibility for uh, you know, like Elder Scrolls Six and any new Fallout game, Fallout Five, Fallout whatever, whatever you want to call it. I do see that being a possibility, and I'll be honest, it wouldn't shock me if Microsoft just says screw it and just keeps them for themselves. Yeah. I mean, let's be real; it's not going to shock us. But at the same time, for titles, for titles of that level, I would also think from a business standpoint that. Maybe PlayStation's willing to spend some money to get it over their way, you know, and Microsoft might be willing to be like, oh, well, you know, yeah, I'll take a little extra money, sure. Well, there is also the thing to look at, whereas um, Xbox has, over this past year, uh, slowly been actually acquiring uh, titles that have been PlayStation exclusive. Like, one of the bigger ones from PlayStation is the Yakuza series. Yep. It's all come over to Xbox now as well. And then some of the... uh, older remastered Final Fantasies like have also come over as well. Um, like 8 and 9, because I bought both of those again for like the third time. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a shout-out to that as well, because mm-hmm. this just happened recently. Uh, MLB The Show 21, yep. it now came over to Xbox, which also still, I still want to say, that PlayStation Studios logo on the front oh, of that, yeah, it, lo- it looks so weird. Oh, don't <laughs> worry. Every time you launch that game, Sony is the first thing that pops up. That doesn't surprise me. Because I've played MLB The Show, it's the first time on Xbox, and I've been enjoying it. Okay, well, that's good to know. Uh, so, you know, that that's that's another example. So, and I will also say, uh, and I feel like everyone can agree to this, Microsoft, they, they have, they do really try to play nice. Mm-hmm. You know, Microsoft doesn't want to restrict gamers or anything. I, I know that kind of goes against Starfield being exclusive. But, I mean, hell, you know, it, it's no, it's no, um, it's no... J- secret that Phil Spencer has tried to push to get like xCloud on oh, other yeah. other things he's tried he had a conversation to get xCloud on PlayStation at one point he had a conversation to get on Nintendo and that conversation might actually be coming back up here in the near future from what I've been seeing the Nintendo one at least like, I you can know, see that yeah like I mean that that is 100% still a possibility um so I mean you know they're, they're wanting to get their games out there to other people even though they don't have to you know but they're trying to build a united gaming industry in a way uh but you know at the same time you know they they spent this money. Of course, they're going to keep uh, a new exclusive like Starfield themselves. Every now and again, so. it, it just it just makes sense, man. You know they have a lot of they Microsoft right now and Xbox is probably in my opinion the best position it's ever been in. In in my opinion, for where it's going to be going in the future with all the you know because one of the big weaknesses to Xbox for a pretty long time is the lack of exclusives. Mm-hmm. You know they have them, yes, but they're not going to be like groundbreaking, right? Yeah, I think. The best of Microsoft exclusives was back in that um, 2012 to like 2015 era mm-hmm. was really when. Well, actually, maybe a little I, bit. Further. I would I would say before that too, because yeah. before that, I mean, you had like if we're go back to original Xbox. You had Halo, Halo Two, and Fable being a couple of big ones. Yep. Going to 360, you had Fable Two for an example. Halo Three, Halo Reach, Gears of War was introduced with mm-hmm. the Xbox 360, and even with Gears of War, Microsoft tried to play nice and put the first Gears on PlayStation Three. Yep. It, it sold terribly, so that's why Two and Three and the rest never came out. Um, but that was kind of like the golden era of exclusives, and over the years, it's just kind of. Most yeah. of those franchises are gone now. Gone or have been lackluster. Yeah. I mean, Gears 4, trash in my opinion. 
Gears 5. I've still yet to play it. I really don't have any interest to Apparently play it. Apparently a lot of people liked 5, so. Did they? Well, sooner or later I may have to check it out. It was on sale for Black Friday at 5 bucks at Best Buy last year. I did not buy it. Um, so maybe I'll try it out sooner or later. And then, you know, Halo 4, that was weak in my opinion. Halo 5, uh, that was weak in my opinion from the amount that I played. Halo Infinite, I want to try it. We'll see how it goes, though. Long-time Halo fan, but the past couple have just been kind of disappointments. But with everything that Microsoft has going on now with the purchase of Bethesda, we're going to have, like, Starfield. We have Doom, Wolfenstein, all under their umbrella. But then also, there's other new titles they have coming out, like Avowed. That's like, Avowed was supposed to be Microsoft's competitor to, um, like, Elder Scrolls. That, that was Microsoft that was Xbox's version of like you know hey we're gonna battle against that but now they have gotcha. now they have both in this, under the same umbrella that would have been awful yeah so now now we have now we have both you know and uh, also want to give uh, you know shout out to as a lot of people speculated when the purchase happened you know we may also get a fallout New Vegas 2 at some point you know with Bethesda and the company that uh, did Fallout New Vegas now under the same umbrella of Xbox I'm trying I'm drawing a blank on um, on uh, who did the new Vegas uh, oh, Obsidian Obsidian that sounds right yeah Obsidian did it and that they're now you know Obsidian's already owned by Xbox yep. as well as Bethesda now so Xbox is in the best position it's been in in a very long time so lots of stuff to be excited for but yep Starfield seems to be Xbox PC only and I do not see that changing we'll see we'll see what comes out though we'll see if we actually see stuff about the game at E3 this year that's gonna be one thing I'm gonna keep an eye on if we're gonna actually see stuff about it I don't know We'll find out here next month, won't we? Uh, next bit of news I want to talk about here is uh, Ubisoft. So Ubisoft is, um, they're changing up. <laughs> they're changing up their game plan a little bit. Ubisoft, in a recent investors meeting, talked about how they are now going away from releasing, uh, you know, three, maybe even four AAA titles a year. And they're changing the strategy to focus on more high-end free-to-play games. Uh, that's going to be the new direction of Ubisoft. What the heck is a high-end free-to-play? Um, like I would say, like an Apex. I would say like an Apex. I guess I don't understand their definition of high-end. Then, yeah. See, I'm not. I, I don't either. You know, I, I've, I've some of the, some examples that they were talking about is maybe even doing like a, a free division. And making it kind of like you know where you have to put you or where you buy stuff in the game, because if you break down like if I, I don't remember if it was Ubisoft or if it was EA I was looking at that had these numbers, but one of the two, only like twenty six percent of sales were strictly from like game purchases. The rest were all from like in game stuff. Because I know I know a great example is is FIFA. Mm -hmm. FIFA Ultimate oh, yeah. Team makes a stupid makes so amount money. of money. And it's the same kind of process here is that they may go to more free-to-play titles and then just really bog you down with, you want to buy this, you want to buy that, you want to buy this. So you're telling me Ubisoft is going to be releasing a lot more Genshin Impact? Yes. I might be okay with this. You might be all right with this? I might be. I'm unsure yet. <laughs> you you got to digest it a little bit. <laughs> well, it becomes possible loot boxes, currency purchases, yep. and then uh, gotcha rolls. Gotcha yep. rolls are the worst. Yeah, they are. So I'll be kind of curious to see what is going to come out of this. I know the division was one that was mentioned. The possibly doing like a free to play division, uh, a new one, 
and that was one that was mentioned. That is a possibility. Okay. So we'll we'll see we'll we'll see where they come out of that. We'll see if it's going to be the right business decision for them if they go away from the three AAA titles a year, which may may work out in their favor. You know, because I feel like Ubisoft's titles, um, in my opinion, I haven't touched on as many of them as I once did, but the few that I have touched on over the past few years, I feel like I've been on the weaker side. That's my opinion. Uh, I, they weren't enough to keep me into it, not like how they were once upon a time. Yeah. Um, but one Ubisoft title that I am really excited for is Far Cry 6. And we did get a confirmation that that and Rainbow Six Quarantine that me and Zach both completely forgot about. Uh, I mean, I want to take a shout out to the audience. Who here forgot that quarantine was a thing? <laughs> completely forgot this is a thing until, until this news came across. Uh, they're both set to be released by September 30th. So that's not the exact release date, release date, but before then they should be released. And they also did confirm that there is no AAA title scheduled for this Christmas season. So this is it. Once, uh, basically, well, basically when, once Far Cry 6 comes out, you know, I would say that's more of a AAA title. Yeah. Once that comes out, that's it from Ubisoft for the year. So we'll see what they got. We'll see what they got cooking up, you know, maybe around E3 time, see what we got going in uh, to next year. Uh, with that said, you know, with Ubisoft's mindset on changing up their strategy, it did bring up a talking point that I saw I saw on Twitter. You know, people were kind of talking about, and I was kind of wanting uh, Zach's thoughts here, just a little conversation, of uh, which is better, a 10 to 12-hour type of game with good replayability, like a good story that kind of keeps you into it where you want to replay it, mm-hmm. or like a 60 to 80-hour plus game. Well, what do you think's better? Because I know a prime example people were using was the last three Assassin's Creed games, yeah. most notably Valhalla, because a lot of people's arguments were with the amount of content that's in Valhalla, for example, over like probably 70% of gamers will never touch that content. Yeah, no. It probably even, I'd even go higher. I'd say like over 80% of gamers will probably never touch that content. Yep. So there's a lot of people that were kind of saying, hey, I'm, I much prefer like a 10 to 20, maybe even a 30 hour game. Like maybe like a last of us is a mm-hmm. good example. There's like a streamlined kind of story-based game. What, what's your take? What do you think is better? Cause I feel like they both have their advantages. They're both good and they're both bad in their own way. You know, it just depends. What do you think? Well, that's sort of the bad thing with this question because there it is very much a preference thing. And more or less at this point in time with everything, I would much prefer a 10 to 20 hour game with replayability Mm -hmm. just because that's what I can really sink time into and really appreciate and enjoy versus which that's just in concept to all of my what's going on in my life and everything. But um, what I would really enjoy, though, was way back when, when uh, before all this fun stuff that is a life. um, Yeah, just sit down with a. 50 to 60 hour game and just play through that, discover every little thing about it. So, I mean, me personally at this time would be a 10 to 20, but if I ever get a chance to, or if there's one I really want to, I will always go back to a 60, the 50, 60 hour game and find the time. Cause like my last one I really did was persona five. I sank some time into that sucker. Yeah. That's a, that's a very time consuming. And I beat it twice in two weeks. Wait, twice in two weeks? Yes, I played it a first time on one week, then I played it again on a new game plus on a harder difficulty in another week. Jesus Christ, that's a lot of hours. You're yeah. you're not yeah, you, when no. you say sync hours, <laughs> you are not kidding. That is, those are some lengthy games. 
Yeah, no, that file has a hundred and fifty-eight hours on it. Right. Oh my god, that's. Well, I mean, I guess I can't talk too much. Uh, look at how many times, look how many hours I have on. Uh, yeah, I know it's not as same as length, but in mm-hmm. terms of just how many times I replay it, look at my Fire Emblem Three Houses. If you yeah. go, if you go on my Switch, I have like two hundred eighty hours on it or something like that. Yeah, but that's because I've beat the game on multiple playthroughs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in terms of this question, I like a ten to twenty, but I'm more of in the sweet spot of like a thirty. I like a good thirty. I'm, I'm more of a thirty kind of guy. You know, once we get up to like, you know, up to like, you know, I would say, I. I would say my 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 absolute highest in terms of comfort level is probably about forty, uh, yeah. but once we get like 50, 60, 70, 80, man, there's I'll be honest. Besides a couple of titles, most notably, pretty much Oblivion and Skyrim are the only ones that I can immediately think of. It's going to be tough for me to really devote that much time to it just because there's going to come a point where I'm going to just have to step back, take a break, whatever the case is. And there, there's going to probably be a lot of content that I never touch. Yeah. Now, can I sink that much time into the game by doing it multiple times? Obviously, look at Fire Emblem Three Houses. Yep. Um, but like, you know, like a, a good like 30 hour experience is good. You know, 10 to 20, I'm, I, I like as well. You know, just kind of go through, enjoy the game, move on. Uh, there are some cases of it, it doesn't feel like enough. Uh, a prime example, which I understand this is the game that we got. I understood I understood going into it what the, what it was, but a good example is Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. Miles Morales is only about like a probably a 10 hour game. Yeah. I, I think uh, Spider-Man, I think my first playthrough, I dumped probably 20 plus for sure, but I don't remember. I have to go back and look. You know, I know like my first uh, Red Dead playthrough, Red Dead 2, uh, I think that was about right at 30 hours. Mm-hmm. You know, we're about to t- I'm about to give some thoughts on Mass Effect. Uh, Mass Effect 2 and 3, I usually average 30 to 40 hours on a playthrough. Okay. Because that, I, you know, for those two games, you know, especially, I love to do everything. Yeah. I love to do everything, so I, I dump some time into it. But I, I'm more of a on that shorter end. Once you get up to that higher end, like what you know, I want to play Valhalla, but it almost scares me because it's like I'll I'll, I'll probably never see the end. That, that that's what bothers me about and it. Again, that's sort of my downside with it because like since we're now in. Adulthood. Adulthood, yeah. <laughs> we don't have as much time to dedicate, or we have several things that we want to mess with, so it's a matter of choosing. So that's why I don't really like this question. Yeah, I mean, right. it's a good question, but like as you said, like I like a 10- to 20-hour game because I can just play it, enjoy it, then also mess with some other things I want to do. But right. I always, if I can find one, will put time into a 6080 because one I just recently picked up that I'm going to look into messing with and putting sinking some time into is Baldur's Gate three, mm-hmm. which is a big uh, strategy RPG D and S game. So <coughs> I'm gonna sink some hours into that. <laughs> Another random one that I thought of that's like on the shorter end that uh, I have a lot of hours into because of multiple playthroughs because of the replayability is uh, Detroit Become Human. That's, that's a fun game. That is a phenomenal fun game, man. Uh, shorter end, obviously. It's yep. like you can probably beat it in like what tw- ten hours, if that. Probably less. Once you're once you know everything, yeah, you can beat it easily within like an hour or two. Yeah, I mean it, it's not it's not difficult to beat, but the replayability for it, you know, it's the, the story that drives you, plus all the different options you can possibly have and stuff, stuff like that. Yeah, you know, where I can see the argument completely, but I don't know. It's it, it is a matter of opinion. Um. All right, so let's finish up some uh, game stuff here, and uh, me and Zach are going to give you our thoughts. On some uh, some new stuff that just recently came out, mine is Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Is going to be Hood. Uh, I'll kick things off with Mass Effect. So I'm a massive fan of this franchise. I've said this on Lighthearted uh, 
hundred times now. Uh, Mass Effect is probably my favorite franchise uh, out there. The only one that would compete with is probably Legend of Zelda. Uh, if you give you guys an example of how high I hold this series, and uh, you know, go, I went through the first one. I have, I did complete the first one, and you know, this is the first time I have played the first one in probably no shit, probably twelve years that I've actually completely played it. I, I, I do remember trying to play it again. Probably back in like I think two thousand and I think sixteen, I remember trying to play it again, and just as you know, as people in the in as the in the community know, and even Bioware knows, they'll admit this. Obviously, they've admitted and they've fixed it. Mass Effect One is tough to play. Mass, See? it's tough to play. That gameplay did not age well. See, I played it again right before Andromeda came out. I went through all three games. I managed to beat the one again. See, one one was tough for me, man. When I tried to replay it a few years ago, I, I, I couldn't. I, I just skipped it. I just used the same one that I always had and just went over to two. You know, the only reason why I did do that at the time was because I was like, well, Andromeda's coming up before we found out what Andromeda was. Oh, God. Um, we was, try to ignore that. <laughs> and I was just like, I was messing with it. And I was just like, do I really want to mess with Mass Effect 1? And I was really looking and I went, dang it. I don't have insanity on this one. All right, we're going down through this. Oh, I'm so sorry for you. That makes it even worse. I mean, it wasn't too bad. I mean, honestly, in terms of difficulty and whatnot, it was actually a lot easier than two and three, so it wasn't bad at all. Oh, well, at least that's good. Well, I, I did, you know, going through the first one again for the first time in so long, it, it was a fun experience. Um, How was the Mako? Okay, First and foremost, I want to say I hate the Mako. Period. Everyone hates the Mako. Yeah, I want to stress this. I still hate it, no matter what. You're not. My opinion will never change on this. But it is 10 million times better than it was in Mass Effect 1. Where it's just like, okay, I hate that I'm having to go to a Mako part, but I don't hate it as much as before where it would potentially make me stop playing. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, it, it's so much better. It's easier to drive. It's easier to maneuver and go through everything, which is, well, that was one of the big upgrades they made going into this one. It's good. It, it, it's in good shape. Uh, obviously, all the gunplay and stuff, good shape. Everything, everything feels good. You don't have the sniper that's going all over the screen when you're trying to snipe, you know, you don't have that going on. Um, you know, it, everything about the, you know, the just general gameplay is, is so much better. It's so much more enhanced, feels so much more fluid. Uh, it, it's not obviously on the same level as two and three, mm-hmm. you know, I'm already four hours into two right now. And it's just like, uh, I feel so at home yeah. with how good the gameplay feels. I'm like, Oh, this is so much better. This is fantastic. But one was good. It was, you know, overall an enjoyable experience. I only dumped about like 16 hours into it. You know, I know it's a shorter title anyway. I will say I did ignore a lot of side stuff just because, you know, someone who's played through, you know, these games multiple times, it's played through three multiple times. You know, I know what's important and what's not. There's a lot of side stuff that I've done before where I saw it pop up. I'm like, you're not important. I mean, yeah, I can get a couple cool little bits of dialogue you know, that I could just go watch on YouTube. So I'm good. I, I don't need you. You know, I did do, I did do a handful of side stuff that I did personally really remember and enjoy. I did the DLC. That was fun. Um, but I, I did ignore a lot of side stuff, uh, just cause it just, at the end of the day, I knew, I knew it wasn't important, yeah. you know, going into the grand scheme of things of where the trilogy goes. Uh, one thing I did do differently and I've never brought, this is I, as a diehard Mass Effect fan, I will say I am ashamed that I've never done this. 
just because I do like how the character turned out in three. But one thing I've never done is I've never actually you brought Caden over to three. I'm, I'm kind of ashamed to say that because it's like you would think, oh, if you're such a diehard fan, why haven't you done it at this point? I just never have. Caden's boring as shit to me. I, I, I didn't care for his character. You know, I, I just I don't give a shit. Um, but going and I do like how Ashley turned out in three. I like her character in three. Um, but going through this one again for the first time in so long, man. Oh, my. I can't stand Ashley. I just can't. So I'm just like, OK. We'll like we'll, we'll save Caden. I want to. I've seen online. I've read some stuff that Caden. First off, I've read that Caden is arguably the best unit in in three for you know for some because of how many boxes that he checks off mm-hmm. for what he can do for you. But I have seen a lot of people say that they felt like Caden got a bear, better character arc into three than Ashley does, and I thought Ashley's was good. You know, there's there's a lot of similarities. Obviously, yeah. you know, you know they're they're both going to be you know recommended for Spectre. They're both going to be put in the hospital. That that's all going to be the same. But in terms of just like the general dialogue, talking to him on the ship and stuff, uh, Caden, everyone feels like Caden got a lot better out of it than Ashley did. And I thought Ash got got out pretty well. And one thing I, I did like about uh, uh, Ashley, you know, going over to three is that my boy James was able to hook up with her if you didn't get with Ashley. So shout out to that. But now James is going to be left single. Sorry, James. Mm. I, I like you, but you're on your own, man. You got a hand. Go use it. Um, <laughs> but uh, you see, I got, got I got Caden set up to go over into three. Looking forward to seeing how that's going to turn out. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm about four hours into two. Uh, recruited my boy right off the bat. Of course, you got to. Got, got to go get Garrus. Uh, got, went ahead and got more, and then I got the two DLC characters, obviously. And I think now I'm, I think, uh, I'm going to set up to get uh, Jack, who's also one of my favorite characters. But, uh, no, the games, uh, I will say, and I saw someone else tweet about this earlier, and I've got, I, I want to back up this claim. I saw someone tweet that uh, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition feels like probably the best remasters they've ever played. I want to back up that claim and say that, yeah, these are probably some of the best remasters out there. Uh, I haven't had any, I haven't really had any bugs. I think I've encountered a bug one time. I know for sure. I think just once. And it was in mass effect one, obviously uh, the battle with matriarch Benezia. Um, when I finished at, when we were at like the end of that battle mm-hmm. where the battle was set to end, I finished killing the last little minion she killed. Yeah. It just kind of got stuck. She wasn't summoning anything else. She was just sitting there behind her force field. Nothing happened. I just had to reload and kill him again, and we were good to go. Uh, so that was one little bug that I had. Um, other than that, no other bugs. I've had no other problems. Um, it's very fluid. Love the load times. Love the load times. That's I, probably nice. Yeah, I'm sure you can back me up. Those load times were kind of a pain sometimes, especially on the ship. Like, you know, Mass Effect 2 load times on the yeah. ship. Those were kind of a little lengthy. Uh, very quick. Uh, very you know quick what I low started times. doing? Hmm. My, once I went back and started playing through Mass Effect 1 again, you know, <laughs> I used to do this whenever you were on any poor elevator or whatnot. I would, right before I get on, I would go on YouTube and load up Morden Song. <laughs> and then as I started going, I'd play and see how long it took <laughs> to get through Morden Song versus the <laughs> elevator. <laughs> that's, yeah, and that's, dude, that's accurate, yeah. Um, uh, so the load times are a lot better. Uh, overall, the gameplay is so fluid. Uh, the, the four hours I've played of two have been very, very fluid, man. It feels so good. It gets me so pumped to play 3. Because as you know, even now, 3 is still very playable. You know, even now, 3 feels very good to play. So I'm so pumped to play it with this Legendary Edition. Probably, I don't know, probably next weekend is probably when I'll start. I I usually dive, I usually dip a lot of time into into 2. Yeah. 
So yeah, I would definitely recommend picking picking it up, guys. Sixty bucks, all three games. Uh, they they feel great. Um, all the DLCs included. Definitely pick up if you've never played Mass Effect. Phenomenal franchise. Um, so Zach, why don't why don't we talk about Hood, a game that might be a little under the radar, not not a lot of people you know may know about per se, uh, and most importantly. He's going to be the one talking about it, who gives a lot better descriptions than me. <laughs> so that's the plus part. So, Zach, let's talk about Hood. So, Hood is fun. In that, I mean, I think a lot of people knew about it, but I'm pretty sure it got overshadowed because yeah, it, it did. Because Resident Evil Village came out. True. And everyone was just like, Resident Evil Village? Tall lady. Tall, yes, my, tall lady. My God, how much... I don't even mess with Resident Evil stuff, but because I do watch a lot of gaming videos, I had so much tall lady crap show up in my YouTube recommendations. Like, I don't care. <laughs> cool resident evil veggies i don't care about tall lady go f off i just love the memes i just love the memes i told you about whenever you sent me that meme i told you about the video of some i didn't actually watch the video but when i hover over the thumbnail all i saw was some guy took a fly swatter which you've been again and just smacking tall lady in the ass was that was the entire like one minute and 40 second video that's all the person was doing during her fight I do want to. I, I do want to tell one thing about Tall Lady uh, because I I got to give this a shot because of how dis- damn descriptive it, it is. Someone put up on Twitter where it showed Tall Lady and her like true form, right? Yeah. And the person said, "Same character, y'all still want to fuck her?" And this one chick retweeted this and said, "I would let her rip my pussy apart, tie the flaps above my head, and attach a ribbon to the knot like a fucking balloon." <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to name who said that, but shout out to you. That's absolutely hysterical. Oh, man. I love the tall lady memes. Anyway, Hood. Yes, let's talk about it. So, yeah, Hood is a PvEVP. So, base setup of this game is you are a group of four people playing as outlaws. Think of, like, Robin Hood era outlaws, which um, the PvP is there is a sheriff and his knights guarding a chest with a inside a vault and you have two groups of outlaws trying to sneak in and your objective is to one steal the key off the sheriff two find the vault that the key unlocks and three steal the chest and then get it to an extraction and winch it onto shit onto a boat or whatever on that map and you're doing all this versus another group of outlaws who are trying to steal it and the thing about this game is that there's only those three objectives. Both teams are fighting for them. So it becomes a thing of once the key is stolen, who's got the key? And if you find the vault before them, can you ambush them to steal the key and open the vault? And how long is it going to take you to get the chest? <laughs> because there is quite a bit of strategy to this game. And the first being there's currently four characters you can play as in Outlaws. Um, Robin which is a bone arrow user. He has the longest range of game, uses strict bone arrow to hit people, as well as he can hit. He's one of the two characters who can hit ropes to drop down and allow people to climb walls. And um, actually three of the characters can open doors. His is just not quiet. He kicks the damn thing open. Then there's the hunter, Mariana. She's our assassin. She can assassinate anyone from... Any angle versus everyone else has to be behind them. She can just assassinate them from any angle, and she also assassinates quicker, allowing for you to get back in the action. Uh, Took, who is our mystic, he uses a flail. He's one of our two melee characters who can take some hits. 
He uses a flail, which has the best melee range and sort of broken at the moment because he does two strong attacks and you're dead. doesn't matter who you are. <laughs> and the recovery's quick from it. And then we have John the Blacksmith, who's our muscle on it. And he's your main melee person who can carry the chest, chest the quickest. So, And each one has their own options that allows them to do. Like as I said, Robin is your sharpshooter who longbow or just has a bow who can shoot from long range. Each has a special ability that they can charge up. Robin's is he gets it's an explosive arrow. You shoot it and an area blows up once it's hit. Mariana, she turns into a shadowy figure, allowing her just to stealth through everything. Uh, players can still see her, but if you're in the middle of a fight, it's sort of hard to tell. Took, he can heal everybody pretty much to full health and his allies that are in a fight. And then uh, John, he just gets in with stamina, so he can just swing his hammer forever and just bash everyone's heads in. Sounds like something the real John would do. Yes. And then besides their abilities, they each can do things on the map. As I said, Robin can shoot the ropes down so people can climb walls. He can open doors and just loudly. Mariana can also shoot the ropes down. She opens doors quietly as well as she's the le- least visible. Took can open doors um, quickly. Well, silently. Mariana can open them quickly and silently. Took can open them silently. He can also carry the chest quicker versus Mariana and Robin. And then John, he can carry the chest the quickest as well as whenever the guards have been alerted and they drop the portcullises, John could just be, eh, screw that, and lift that shit up <laughs> and let people go through. And another thing of strategy is whether to take melee characters or not because one of the things is they can carry the chest faster once the vault's been opened, and then once you get the chest to one of the three uh, escape locations, you then have to winch it to extract it, and the two melee characters can winch faster and more efficiently. So there is quite a bit of strategy in the game of just which characters of your four are you going to take because you can take multiple characters. Um, so you can, you can each be like the same? Yeah, no, okay. you can have a full team of just one character. Oh, like the old days of Overwatch. Yeah. Got it. Is it suggested? Not really, but right, you can. Yeah. Go for it. Have fun. Um, <laughs> and then there's a f- another strategy of it. As I said, it is PvEVP, so the AI will actually come and raid you if they spot you. If you have the chest, they just scroop over it. And if they do spot you, the area sort of shuts down where you have to go through port cutlasses and you don't have a John, you have to sneak around. It also notifies the enemy team of where you are. So it gives them an idea if you have the key of where the vault door may be going. If your people are paying attention, actually read where the vault door is. Right. <laughs> I've had entire Reading's t- hard. <laughs> I've had teams where they grab the key and they run the opposite direction. It's like, where are you going? <laughs> Like, what are you doing? Um, you got to love teammates like that. Yeah. And then there's also <coughs> controlling spawn points. There's three points in the map where you can capture, allowing you to spawn closer in the map towards the actual settlement, castle, whatever um, the map is versus your starting spawn. And then there's also the strategy of where you want to take the chest because there's always two extractions, which is close to one team's initial spawn versus the other, then there's a middle one where if you really want to take it that, you're looking for a fight anyways. Um, mm. That's in between the two spawn points. It, And I guess that's sort of the plus of it. It's in between the two initial spawn points, and it's far away enough from the extra spawn points that it's sort of a middle ground. 
its all choices and whatnot. So, I mean, overall, the gameplay itself has been fun, PvE and PvP part. Um, the characters are fairly balanced. The only real thing I've seen sort of that is a pain is just uh, Took's heavy attack where he just throws the ball and chain at people. Mm-hmm. If he manages to hit you, by the time you recover, he's throwing it at you again before you can move and you're dead. Besides that, I've seen it fairly play out evenly. I mean, I haven't I haven't come across any two very one-sided encounters unless it's just one team's working much better together than the others. Because, again, it is a team game since it is PvP and you're trying to escape with this chest. Right. So, overall, if you are looking for some sort of um, team versus team, which most matches last somewhere but depending on how good the teams are, somewhere between 15 to, I think my longest game I've had was 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that was a very good struggle of us literally fighting over just getting the chest to a winch for the longest time. <laughs> so they're decently matches. There is some customability of it, of just dressing up the characters and cosmetics and whatnot. And there is no in-game purchases for any people that body's curious. No in-game That's purchases. Good. Just literally just all straight, just playing the actual game. And unlocking. Yes. Gotcha. The, all the characters are immediately unlocked. The only thing you actually have to buy and unlock is... Um, the cosmetic weapons and costumes with in-game currency, and then perks, which perks aren't too badly priced to help <coughs> do builds because literally just a single win will usually get you enough to buy a perk. The only other thing about it is whenever you do finish a match and you divvy your gold between putting it in your purse so you can buy stuff or upgrading your hideout so you can unlock more stuff to purchase. Mm-hmm. But yeah, main base of it is just the characters itself and just playing the maps it and the actual strategy of controlling points and acquiring things to get more or less say your team up better what, what would you kind of like uh rate this what, what, what would you rate this game like out of 10 for example uh at this point in time i would probably give it an overall me personally eight okay because there is quite a bit of replayability um I do have fun with every match, regardless of how it goes. Um, the characters are fun to play, as each has their own style of archer, stealth, archer, assassin, um, bruiser, and just outright tank. Mm-hmm. And just it, it can get a bit wild with some some of the times because, as I said, that thirty minute game I had that was literally a fight of us fighting over a single control point. That was next to the chest to acquire the chest, which was also being hovered over by the sheriff, who you have to steal the key from. And the sheriff's a badass who, if he grabs you, you're just dead. No, oh, it's, it's done. Yeah, <laughs> li- literally, he grabs you, and you're just well, have to watch a <laughs> several second cinematic of just you being crushed by him. There is no, once he's caught you, there is no saving. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I'll be curious to see if anything can, you know, potentially come out of this game. You know, with it, with it being multiplayer, it's all going to come down to a player base. Yeah, and that is the big thing. It is strictly a multiplayer game, and that is sort of why the game itself is just base game is twenty nine ninety nine. Mm-hmm. But if you want to buy the year pass, which is will automatically get you early access to characters and whatnot, that is forty nine forty nine ninety nine of a regular title game at this mm-hmm. period in time. So. 
Yeah, I'll be curious to see if anything else kind of comes out of it, how much support goes into the game going forward. And, you know, hey, it, you never know. Could This game could get a large surgence later on. Just depends on what kind of comes out, what kind of they do. We, I mean, we've seen it happen before. Yeah. The random games among us is the best damn example at this point yeah. in time. So, I mean, it is possible, you know, that we get a good surgence. You know, I will say the timing of Resident Evil Village kind of overshadowed it a little bit. Uh, no doubt about that, but I'll be curious to see what else kind of comes out of Hood uh, going forward. The next game that um, that we're going to be able to talk about here coming up is going to be Biomutant. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to aim to get John back on the show because I know he plans to pick it up as well. That comes out on the 25th. It comes out on a Tuesday. I'm not a fan of Tuesday releases, but whatever. Um, so looking forward to trying that, giving our thoughts on that. Uh, that's gonna, that's kind of another under-the-radar title. Um, in my opinion, you know, it's getting, you know, it, let's be honest, it is, you know, it's not getting as much push as a lot of titles are, but either way, excited to play that. Uh, if I had to rate the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, I, I, th- I feel like my rating is going to be very straightforward and very, yeah. it's 10 out of 10, period. Uh, I feel like any, and, and then, yes, I am, I am biased, obviously. I love the franchise, but also it's a great remaster. And I want to go ahead and say, I feel like a lot of people would probably back me up on that 10 out of 10. A lot of people would probably yeah, also would. would also give it like a 9 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10. I mean, these are very, very good games that people need to play. But I would give this Legendary Edition an easy 10. Easy 10. Another thing I want to give credit to Hood, why I gave it an 8, is the fact that after playing it for about a week, I have run to almost no, I've personally not run into almost no sort of failed game mechanics or tons of glitches. Oh, that's good. So, like, this has been a solid release. The only real big glitch I've come across is, for whatever reason, if you leave a lobby to go back to your camp to mess with stuff, sometimes it'll randomly load your comms into an in-progress game. Mm-hmm. No one is aware you're there, but you can hear their comms for some reason. Oh, okay. Well, hey, shout out to the fact that, a, you know, a smaller game like that hasn't had any bugs or anything coming out. You know, that, that's that's good to hear. All right, so we'll finish up the show here with some movie TV stuff. And I know we're kind of late into the show, but I am going to go ahead and give my thoughts on WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier so I don't have to keep pushing it back every episode. <laughs> but I am going to make it very brief. I'm not going to drag it out. Because, uh, you know, with WandaVision's case, if you listen to Lighthearted for a while, I already gave my thoughts on the first four or five episodes, I think. Um, I think that's as far as I got before we went on a break. So the first bit of movie TV news is uh, Nickelodeon is launching a SpongeBob and Avatar podcast very, very random. I don't give a shit about the SpongeBob one, but the Avatar one's kind of cool. Uh, so when you say like that, the question is, is it a podcast that's going over both or is it each getting a each podcast? Each getting their own. Okay. Yeah. And the SpongeBob one, I, I like I said, I don't give a shit about it. Um, I, from what I saw, I don't even know if it had like set co-host or if it was going to have like revolving doors. I, I don't even know if the co-hosts were like voice actors of the show or anything. I, I don't think they were. And all it is is just talking about the show itself, just hilarious moments and all. It doesn't feel like it has like a strong direction, right? The Avatar podcast, which is called Avatar Braving the Elements. First off, love that name. That name is phenomenal. I wish I could have thought of something like that. That's great. Um, it is going to be hosted by Janet Varney. Um, Varney. Uh, is it Varney? Is that how you would pronounce it? Sure. All right. Janet Varney, who voiced Cora, and uh, Dante Bosco, who voiced Zuko, will be hosting this. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize Dante was all that. That's great. Yeah. See, that alone makes me super interested because, dude, his voice is great. So I, I want to listen to the podcast just for that. Um, but well, well, I say that because Dante, out of voice acting stuff, depending on the setup, he can be interesting because. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I saw him on a thing where he was more or less on just a um, board game thing mm-hmm. where Dante was just, he was this there to enjoy the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dante's fantastic, man. I'm really excited to hear him on this show. Um, with this show, the Avatar does have kind of like a set, kind of feels like a setup where they're going to be, they're going to actually be rewatching both series and giving okay. episode by episode reviews and thoughts and you know of the episode itself like a general like like what happens in the plot and also some behind the scenes stuff mm-hmm. you know for for uh for what you know for what they had to do for the show whatever so I, i'm actually really pumped to listen to this podcast i think it's gonna be a nice listen and it's good timing very good timing because just a few months ago we talked about Animan Plus. Avatar Studios was formed. Yep. So this is going to help bring you know bring back some eyes to it. I mean, there's always eyes on this yes. series to some extent because of how bi- you know big and popular it is. But this is going to help people you know kind of get reminded. Oh yeah, Avatar, cool. Let me hop back on that. So good timing for this. Uh, next bit of news uh, is Edward Norton and Dave Bautista is joining the cast of Knives Out Two. I wanted to give a shout out to that because Knives Out is a phenomenal movie. I absolutely love it. And I, I just want to give a special shout out to that because I'm going to point out the obvious for a movie like that. Uh, depending on who gets cast, you can kind of figure out who's going to be, you know, like your antagonist type of stuff. And, you know, that, I'm, just, I'm just going to point that out. But Knives Out is a great movie. If you guys have not seen it, please go check it out. It's kind of like a clue. It's like a murder mystery type of thing. Great movie, man. Love this movie. Uh, a random bit of news we got this week. This came out of left field complete left field adult swim announced new movies for aqua teen hunger force metalocalypse and venture brothers this was left field yeah, man. That, that really is just sort of random i mean i know all those fan bases are super hyped for this oh yeah just because especially metalocalypse probably oh yeah that's definitely metalocalypse because most pretty much all these series have been non-existent besides reruns for almost like a year or two right i think the the most recent uh that any of these series got any love i think is venture brothers yeah. i think that one is probably the most but the other two the other two has been dead for a long time so getting some new movies from them i mean those fan bases are pumped <laughs> very random though but hey did they say that they are each getting their own movie? they're each getting their own movie okay because i was sort of getting curious i was like what if it was a cross movie between all three oh that'd be some shit that would be an acid trip gone horribly wrong. Uh, then last little bit of movie TV stuff we got is we did get a Venom 2 trailer. I think this is the first actual trailer of Venom 2 that we got. As far as I'm aware, yes. And, uh, you know, the you know the trailer kicked off in a hilarious fashion with, with Venom uh, and uh, Eddie making breakfast. You know, very horribly in a giant mess. Hilarious, though, especially when Venom just comes in and is like, delicious. You know, love that. And then you got another funny shot of them going in the shop, which had a little moment that you really liked where I actually was more curious about the thing of just where they both went. Hi, Mrs. Chang. And she went, hi, Eddie. Hi, Hi, Mrs. Chang. Hi, Venom. (laughs) I was just like, what? You're okay with this? (laughs) Right, and we had a, we had a little moment where like they were out of something, and Venom's was like, "I'm gonna eat her." It's like, "No, no, you can't eat her." She's like, "What?" Uh, yeah, it was just an end moment in the trailer where she apparently didn't have something they made an agreement with, and she she was just like, "What are you gonna do? Stop protecting my store without any knowledge that Venom's just like, I'm okay to eat her." <laughs> yeah. The, uh, it, I, I, it's good to see those little funny comedic bits because one of the biggest takeaways from the first Venom, I do want to confess, I have yet to actually see it. 
I'm very lazy about movies. This is a very known fact among my friend group about how horrible I am about watching movies. But the general thing that I've heard from everyone is the dynamic between Eddie and Venom in the first one was phenomenal. Yeah. So it's good to see that showcase in this trailer as well. Also a very good shot of Carnage, you know, in this trailer. You get to really see how how you know great he looks. And you know, also got a nice little Easter egg of um you know uh daily bugle mag uh mm-hmm. of uh newspaper which yep. was the same like daily, daily bugle from the uh original trilogy and there was you know kind of you know putting on a tin hat you know kind of situation where you know pausing the trailer just right looks like when he's closing the newspaper it does look like it says avengers in the newspaper it, it, it's only the e-n-g-e-r-s the a-v is cannot be seen so it's kind of putting on a tin hat a lot of people were theorizing that it just said avengers but i mean it's quite possible because literally in the trailer it says in association with marvel studios yeah, yeah exactly so exactly so, uh, either way, I'm excited for this movie. Even though I haven't seen the first one, I will watch the first one finally sometime here soon, but especially before the second one comes out, and I'll go see the second one in theaters. Um, all right, so I'll do a quick br- my quick thoughts on WandaVision and Falcon Winter Soldier. All right, so, Fal- you know, so we'll start with WandaVision. First off, if you watched WandaVision and you watched the first three episodes and drop it, get off your ass, go back, and finish watching the series. I understand the first three episodes are kind of a, a, a little bit of a drag because it's like very heavy sitcom-based. It's it's focusing mostly on the sitcom stuff that the show is kind of built on. But if you only got to the first three and you quit, go back and watch it because it gets, it, it gets better, okay? Trust me. Once it kind of starts, you know really opening up more about the world that they're in and who created it, which was Wanda spoiler alert. But I mean, it's been out for a couple months now, I think. So yeah. you're on your own. It is what it is. Um, and you get to dive more into, you know, who your antagonist is, which ends up being Agatha Harkness, who is a witch. Um, and it was the one thing I really liked about Agatha and how the series came to a close is that, it feels like they didn't shut the door on Agatha. You know what I mean? Where, you know, when after when the, their fight was all kind of said yeah. and done, like it was kind of set up where, you know, Agatha said, you know, don't do this. You're going to need me. And Wanda's just like, well, if I do, I know where to find you. And then she trapped Agatha in her own mind where she's just now Agnes, the, the noisy neighbor. So it kind of sets it up where Agatha could potentially come back in the future. Uh, you know, we finally got to see Wanda you know, become the Scarlet Witch. Mm-hmm. And she actually be called the Scarlet Witch for the first time in MCU history. Uh, got a very kick-ass looking outfit for it. And uh, also shout out to the fact that the outfit was really in line kind of what with Elizabeth Olsen would want. Because I know uh, one little complaint that she's had in the past is that she felt like some of her past outfits in movies were a little bit too reveal- revealing in the chest area. Mm-hmm. So shout out to the fact they actually co- accommodated her on that. Uh, there was also... You know, we got to see the um, their classic outfits for the Halloween episode. So that was a nice little Easter egg of the of the actual comic vision outfit, the actual comic uh, wand outfit, as well as their kids um, who in the comics are known as Wicked and Speed. Yep. We got to see their accurate common outfits in the Halloween episode. And then, of course, there was, you know, Evan Peters playing as Quicksilver. That was cool. But I I, I hate 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 what they did with it i really do you know especially with where it seems like we're going in the mcu with the multiverse stuff you know this was a perfect first step for it and it it was nothing they they set it all up for a a damn boner joke 
that's all it was for was a damn boner joke. The character that Evan Peters was playing, yes, it was like, you know, this Quicksilver, but it was not actually, you know, you know, it was not actually Quicksilver from the X-Men. It was yeah. literally just a random guy that lived in that town. His name was Ralph Boner. That, that was literally who Evan Peters was playing. It was not a Quicksilver from another dimension. So that was that was the only real disappointing aspect of this series, in my opinion. I love the uh, like the episode of where, you know, uh, Agatha took Wanda back to basically re-experience her traumas. That was a very good episode in a lot of different ways, uh, especially when you kind of got to see what kind of got her into the sitcom thing, which helps set up the, where we got to where we were. Mm-hmm. You know, her as, as a kid with her parents uh, and her brother, you get to see the event they talked about in Age of Ultron where the bomb came in, whatever. You get to see that actually played out now. As well as whenever, um, you know, when she goes to see Vision's body, which, you know, how it was set up in this show from uh, the director of S.W.O.R.D. is that she came in and stole Vision. That's not the case. She literally went in to see Vision and she just ended up leaving. The Vision that you see throughout this, like, entire dream sequence is just a Vision that she happened to have created from the, basically, like, the remnants of the Mind Stone that was inside Wanda. Because during these trauma, that trauma episode, you get to see her interact with the Mind Stone because obviously the Mind Stone was in possession of, was in the possession of, uh, of, whatever group I'm drawing a blank, but the group that was on the beginning of age Ultron, uh, where they came in and bust up the place, whatever. Uh, gotcha. yeah, they had the mind stone at that time and she got to interact with it. And when that happened, it kind of like rubbed off on her more or less. You know, one thing, uh, that I will say, I am a little disappointed about besides the boner thing that I just, I hate it is funny, but I hate, um, is there, you know, the fact that it is now basically confirmed later by Kevin Foggy himself. This is a legit, Doctor Strange was meant to make a cameo at some point in this. Did not happen. I will say it may not have fit exactly. I feel like it could have fit really well in the last episode. Um, But I can understand why they they decided to pull the plug on it. And it would have made sense also because, keep in mind, Wanda's going to be in Doctor Strange Mm too. The final episode, after she, you know, this, this, this town is finally free. This town obviously hates her you know, for everything that she's put them through, you know, tortured them basically, kept them in this loop of where their thoughts weren't their own and stuff, and she leaves, and she's basically just, like, living in solitude. Keep in mind, her kids are gone. Her kids were basically created within this thing. Um, You know, she's going through... um, the, the book that Agatha had, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the book. This is why I said I'm horrible at explaining things. I don't take notes. I need to start taking more notes. But you see uh, her using an astral projection, you know, going through this book, basically kind of, I guess, studying more or less. And in that last shot, you you hear the kids yell for, yell, yell mom, whatever. And the book closes real quick, and that's the end of the series. You know, further setting up that Wicked and Speed potentially are going to be coming back, which makes a lot of sense because, you know, you look around at this, you look at what they're doing with Hawkeye, and you even look at Falcon and Winter Soldier. Marvel is setting up Young Avengers. That's yeah. what, that, that is what they're setting up. And hopping over to Falcon and Winter Soldier, phenomenal. I love WandaVision, but Falcon and Winter Soldier is a lot better. Falcon and Winter Soldier, 
hit a lot of topics where Marvel's like, let's let's do a little stuff a little bit different. Because I know one of the big things that they kind of hit and talked about was, you know, like a lot of like a lot of racism stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a big topic, you know, like the line of that Isaiah Bradley, he was introduced in this, who is, you know, was known as like the black Captain America, you yeah. know, in the comics and stuff, is, you know, he said the line, you know, that kind of really sticks out to a lot of people where it's just like, you know, they will never let a black man be Captain America. That was like episode three or, or four, whenever he said that. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it was just a really, it, it was a powerful series of just where the world is now post, you know, post the snap and, you know, different topics being faced between like trauma, between the racism stuff that we are facing and so much more. You know, a lot of people obviously hate John Walker for a a lot of understandable reasons, but give a lot of credit out to um, Wyatt uh, Russell for doing a phenomenal job portraying uh, John Walker. He did a great job, you know, really delivered why you should hate him being the new Captain America and stuff. Um, I, I got to say one of my hands down favorite moments in this series that I want to give a special shout out to that is probably potentially in, in, in contention for my favorite series, my favorite scene in all of the MCU. I think it was, I think it was at the beginning of episode four, I think maybe up at the beginning of episode five where you get a past shot back in Wakanda with, uh, with Bucky and one, and I'm drawing a blank on her name because she's not like an overly notable character. She's been in a couple movies, but she's not like, she's you know not like one of you know Black Panther's immediate you know members, what Royal Guard members. But you see him, you know her them together like out away from the city, uh, out you know, just out of fire, and she starts saying the chant that would initiate his mind control. And as she's sitting here saying this chant, you know, um, shout out to Sebastian Stan for nailing this scene. You know, you just see Bucky just, you know, his face just gets kind of like wrenched up with pain. And he starts to like slowly just starts to cry, you know, as she's going through each word of the chant. And then when she finishes the chant, he's just sitting there and he's just like really emotional. And she just says, you're free because he didn't fall under the mind control. He's, mm-hmm. His brain is good now. And he just starts like full blown crying. That is probably one of my favorite scenes across Marvel. Like, that was so well done, especially getting to see it. That was one of the cool things, yeah. you know, because it was just kind of, you know, just quickly thrown at you with Infinity War that it's just, it, it's in, it, it, you know, the post credits of Black Panther that it, it's done, it's taken care of, but mm-hmm. actually getting to see it was awesome. Uh, Zemo was was great in this as well. I love the dancing scene, of course. That was fantastic. Shout out to Marvel putting up an hour loop of the dancing scene. That was great. Um, Sharon Carter, fantastic as well. Now she's set up in a large way to be a, you know, just a prominent uh, villain of some sort throughout the series. We did get introduced to another villain who in the comics is known as Madam Hydra, uh, where she's paired up with John Walker in this. And she also technically we were we were already supposed to have seen her uh, because she was she's in Black Widow. So we should have already seen her like, you know, last year. But obviously, due to delays, we have not. Uh, so this is her first appearance. But you know, getting her brought into, you know, the MCU, her one single like two scenes just delivered so well of you know what to expect from this character of being a, a future villain. And then of course, you know, Sam taking up the shield, becoming Captain America. First off, the suit looked incredible. You know, Wakandan tech looked mm-hmm. absolutely insane. Love loved everything about like the small details that went into it. And then you know he got to deliver a, a pretty powerful speech there at the end of the series you know to the people that he just saved where you know about why the flag smashers were doing what they were doing being the antagonist group throughout this 
you know, you know, where it's like, put them in their shoes. Like you have the power to do all these things, but you're not doing these things. And then, you know, again, tackling the subjects that's at hand of him, like delivering the line, you know, like the, uh, politicians, like, you know, you don't understand, you don't understand, you know, and Sam's like, I'm a black man holding the shield. What don't I understand? Or wearing the stars and stripes is what he said. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it delivered so much in so many ways, um, John Walker murdering a guy out in cold blood, you know, the, the story writing behind that was so well done because the person he murdered literally earlier in that episode was telling Carly Morgenthau, who is the leader of the flag smashers that he grew up being a massive captain America fan. And then here comes the end of the episode being brutally, brutally smashed to death by captain America shield, true poet poetry in terms of writing for that. Uh, and that was a very sick shot at the end of that episode too, of John Walker standing up and, you know, you know, you just get a nice like shot of like look up shot of him and the shield has got blood on it. First time in the entire series, the blood has been on the shield. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, going, that was going immediately into episode, uh, five, I believe, um, where, you know, Sam and Bucky duke it out with, uh, with John. And when the fight was said and done, Bucky takes the shield, walks over to Sam and just drops it to him and, he leaves, you know, kind of, you know, obviously, you know, signaling you're the only person that I believe should carry this. There's that little moment of Sam picking up the shield and kind of like just rubbing the blood off, you know, just kind of like knowing that, yeah, I made a mistake. You know, the mistake being he gave away the shield earlier, like episode one, because he just didn't feel like he should carry it. Yeah. So he gave it away to put it in a museum. And then, you know, you, you know, United States is just like, nah, we're going to make our own Captain America. Don't worry about it. You know, John Walker is now the U.S. agent by the end of this. He's got the super serum. Um, and in terms of the Young Avengers, you know, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Bradley's grandson, you know, was was in this series as well. And like two or three scenes, not much, but he's still there, who becomes Patriot in the comics, part of the Young Avengers. So lots of stuff came out of this, this six-episode series. I am excited for Loki, not as much as I am for some other ones coming out, but I am excited for Loki. But Falcon and Winter Soldier is phenomenal. Uh, I did not do a good way of explaining. I did not do it justice uh, because I was trying to do it fairly quickly without, you know, going full breakdowns like I would yeah. like to. Uh, but definitely, I recommend you guys checking it out. It's it's one of Marvel's best works, in my opinion. Uh, I, I, I really enjoy the episode, like the basically the six-hour movies that we're yeah. getting. I, I'm really enjoying that. And now it is confirmed for a Captain America 4 is in the works with yep. Sam with Sam Wilson as Captain America. So lots of good things came out of this series, man. And I want to say when WandaVision and Falcon Winter Soldier both are up for some uh, awards, I think. I could be wrong on that. Um, so lots of good stuff coming out of the uh, the Disney Plus Marvel shows. Really enjoying that. All right. We got to finish the show. This is one of the longer ones. Yep. Uh, that, that, that's on me. I had to get that out, man. I kept, I, I keep pushing it back episode to episode. Got to get it out. So Zach, you got anything that you want to say here to wrap up the show? All I'm going to say is thank you everyone who's watching or listening to this. If you are enjoying it or feel like helping out just a little, uh, please rate, comment, subscribe, like, dislike anything that your platforms allow. It does help get us out there because if it shows that people are, doing something to the show the algorithm somebody goes no maybe someone else will do something with it so (laughs) yeah exactly thank you very much 
Yeah, guys, thank you so much if you made it all the way to the end, whether if you're listening to the video format or if you're listening to the audio version. Either way, we appreciate you for listening all the way to the end. Uh, Super pumped for Lighthearted to be in video format now over at our YouTube channel, Sparky3. If you want to go support us further, the Patreon is a great way to do so. Don't feel obligated. We'd just appreciate it if you did. Uh, You can also go follow us at LightheartedPod. And then we have our other podcast, Anime and Plus, Anime Manga Podcast. You can follow us at Anime and Podcast as well. Got lots of good stuff going on over there. But yeah, I think that's going to do it. Kind of a lengthy one. We had a lot to talk about. Lots of cool stuff to be excited for coming up over these next uh, few weeks and so. So get excited, guys. But until next time, hopefully you guys have a great day. Bye.